You're about to listen to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. And Episode 13 represents the midway point of Season 2. My son Max, the person who produced the super cool intro and conclusion music, outro music for the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, gave me some really good advice last week. You know, he heard me mention on Instagram that I was looking for more guests for the podcast. And he said, you know, Dad, you haven't done a solo episode at all this season. Why don't you do another solo episode? He said, you know, get your personality out there. He said, let people get to know you. He said, not your friends and family. They, they listen. They know you. But, but the other people, the rest of the world. Let them get to know you. Share some advice. Give them some insights. You're good at that stuff. So, with my son giving me great podcast production advice, let's get started. Mitch, and it is Season 2, Episode 13 of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. I mentioned in the uh, short intro that this podcast number 13 represents the halfway point to Season number 2, and my first solo podcast of Season 2. I did a couple in the early parts of Season 1. This is my first one for Season 2. And I felt like I had something to share, especially given the state of our world right now, especially in the U.S., but it's a, world, it's a global issue as well. I mean, between politics, COVID, racial inequality, economic inequality, economic uncertainty, unemployment, it's just teaching your kids, um, helping your kids go to school, sometimes in school, sometimes at home. There's just a lot going on, and frankly, it has turned people against one another much more than I've ever seen in my lifetime. In fact, I'll admit that really for the first time ever, at least in the ever of Facebook, I've dropped, blocked, unfriended, whatever you call it, two people on my Facebook feed, which I've never done before. One of them was a high school friend, and another was a cousin of mine. Um, and their views were so incredibly politically slanted and so incredibly combative and insensitive to others, and frankly, so different from my own views that I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> um, I know other people have done that. I'm just not a big blocker or dropper of friends on social media, but wh- whether or not it's common or uncommon, is that really the best answer? So. I'm going to start by telling a story. Now, some of my mediocrity listeners have heard this story. It only takes about three or four minutes, but it's a good story. Today, I'm telling the story in a broader context than I've told it before. Um, This story is a good story as it relates to um, selling and, and being a better salesperson, but it applies to much, much more than that. So let me tell the story and then let me apply it. So. This is a story about me about 10, maybe 10 years ago, 
And I was having a midlife crisis and, and decided to buy a midlife crisis car. In fact, I think the midlife crisis car was my entire midlife crisis. And I was choosing between two cars that I always wanted, even from when I was a teenager. It was either going to be a Ford Mustang convertible or a Camaro, Chevy Camaro convertible. And so I went shopping for these cars, and the first place I went to was the Chevy dealer. And I walked in, and I'll never forget um, the guy. I, I don't remember. Well, I will forget his name. I don't remember his name, but I do remember what he looked like. He had this kind of slicked back hair. He had like a perfectly fitting sports jacket with a pocket square and you know, a, a, a tailored shirt and pants. He looked very together. And he comes over to me and he says, hello, sir. What brings you to the Chevy dealer today? And I said, well, I'm thinking about buying a Chevy Camaro convertible. And he said, great, come here. He takes me to the center of the showroom and there with kind of bright light shining down from the ceiling on kind of the turntable in the middle of the dealership was a bright Sherry or fire engine red Chevy Camaro convertible. And he reaches into the car and he pulls out a tip sheet or a fact sheet. And it's got two columns. It's got a Chevy Camaro and Ford Mustang. And he starts, you see all the, the things by the Chevy Camaro are checked and the things by the Ford Mustang aren't, except for maybe steering wheel and four tires. But other than that, it was like more horsepower, Chevy better torque, Chevy, bigger leader engine, Chevy. And he said, you can see from this list and you can see from these articles from Consumer Reports and from other notable J.D. Powers, et cetera, that Chevy's the better, the best, the best sports car, muscle car out there. You should buy a Chevy Camaro convertible. <clears throat> then he said, do you have any questions? And, um, I didn't even know what to say. So I said, thank you for the information. Do you have a brochure? And I left. Then I went to the Ford dealer. And the experience was very different. I walked in. The, the guy who came over to me was kind of a little bit overweight. He was wearing one of the sweater vests that was <clears throat> a little bit bursting at the seams. And you could see the shirt underneath the sweater vest. In fact, his collar was askew. His hair was all muscled. And he says, um, hello, sir. Welcome to Ford. Um, what are you here for today? <clears throat> and I said to him, I'm thinking of getting a Ford Mustang convertible. And he said, well, that's a super cool car. Why may I ask, are you interested in a Ford Mustang convertible? And I said, well, frankly, I've wanted a car like this since I was a teenager. My father wouldn't let me get one. <laughs> and now I'm old enough to get my own and afford it, and I'm doing it. By the way, let me sidebar here. If you're going to have a midlife crisis, stick to buying yourself a present that you can afford. That is the safest way to have a midlife crisis. And that is what I did. So he said, okay, gotcha. Um, tell me what you would like in a Ford Mustang convertible. Tell me what, what, what about the Ford Mustang convertible is most appealing to you. So I said to him, well... I really like to drive with the top down. I want leather seats. I want a really great car stereo that syncs up with my phone 
and um, I just want to have a lot of fun and drive really fast. And he laughed and he said, great, um, come out here to the parking lot. So we went out to the parking lot and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, um, what color do you like? And I said, well, I like blue. And he said, okay, great, come here. There's a blue Mustang convertible here. So we went down to the end of the aisle. He throws me the keys and says, jump in the driver's seat. So I did. And as I jump in the driver's seat, he says, give me your phone. I said, give him his phone. I give him my phone. I unlock it. And he says, um, what kind of music do you like? I said, well, I like country music. He said, okay, great. He sinks my phone to the um, car, put, uh, says, what kind of music do you like? And I'm a country music fan. And he said, okay. So he went on my Spotify list, clicked on country hits. Um told him, directed me out to the highway and he said, hit it. <laughs> so I hit it and he's blasting on my Spotify, the, the Zach Brown band. Um, and we are like cruising down the highway, which by the way, it was a long Island expressway. And the fact that we got to 75 miles an hour was a miracle, but it was the middle of the day and we were cruising. The top was down. My hair was like winding, wind in my face, hair flying back. And we got back to the, the, Ford dealer and he says, So, do you have any questions? And I said, oh, Where do I sign? Now, why'd I tell you that story? Well, he got to know me. He, di he didn't tell me which car had more torque. I mean, I guess if I was a car head and I cared, he would have, but I didn't. So he didn't. He asked me what kind of music I liked. He asked me why I wanted the, the, the Mustang. He, he gave me an experience that related to where I was at. Now, I started telling that story in the context of helping people become better at selling services. It's something I did at work, and um, it's a true story, and it's a cool story, because actually it teaches selling um, in multi-layers. Um, it teaches um, multi, multiple selling lessons in the exact same story. So first... Um, Salespeople need um, to do a couple things. They need to, A, really relate to their potential customers, which this story tells. And B, if you're going to sell, you need to tell a good story. And this was a good story. So I'm not talking about Goldilocks and the Three Bears stories, but I'm talking about telling stories about what it's like to work, what it's going to be like to work with you, what it's going to be like for the buyer to be working with you. So if you could describe through a story what the experience of working with you will be like and the story is compelling, you sell a lot more work. So this story has those elements. It has the elements of great storytelling and it has the, uh, the elements of relating to your customers. So let me give you an example of storytelling. If you're someone who's out there and you are a lawnmower, you cut people's grass. It's one thing to knock on someone's door and say, I'd like to cut your grass. I cut grass really well. I show up on time and I can be flexible. Um, I have a great lawnmower. It's the newest John Deere and it's a beauty. I love using it. It's so comfortable on my hands and it's fuel efficient. So I don't have to spend as much money on fuel. And I charge $20 a week to mow your lawn. That's very fact-driven. There's no story there. In fact, the only story is about the John Deere, and it's not even a story. And frankly, who cares what kind of lawnmower you use as long as you cut my grass? So, But if you came and told a little story like, 
Hi, I would love to cut your beautiful lawn. You know I have a few clients with lawns that are similar to yours. Um, I cut their lawns well, and of course, I show up on time, but I'm also flexible because I want my customers to fully enjoy their yards, and I want them to feel like I'm in it with them. For example, I had a customer last week who had a barbecue in their yard for their daughter's birthday. Her name was Emily, her 10th birthday. She was expecting friends, a blow-up castle, the whole works. My customer asked if I could change the date that I mow their lawn, so it was the day before the party and the yard looked beautiful. Not only did I mow the lawn on the day that they wanted me to, but I also trimmed the bushes and weeded the gardens. I didn't want Emily's friends to stick themselves with stray branches, and I wanted the garden to look perfect for all their guests. That's when you get, you know, that's when you get um, the great lawnmower, the, the, the person who's not just a lawnmower, but a service provider. When you said that, when you tell a story like that, I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. Boom, you get hired, especially if the cost is $20, just like the first guy. So a simple story can distinguish one service provider from an identical service provider by adding color to that story. Okay, so that's selling, but let's go back to the Mustang story. Selling isn't just about telling a good story. It's about relating to your customer. The Chevy dealer seemed to be mostly interested in describing how the Chevy was in, and, and also a little bit interested in knocking the competition. The Ford dealer was interested in me, the customer. In a few short minutes, he got to know me, understand my priorities, and create an experience that was perfect for me. Now, I said at the beginning of this podcast that I was telling or retelling my Mustang story for reasons that go far beyond how to be an effective salesperson. Taking the time to understand and relate to the person on the other side of the table, the other side of the transaction, the other side of the relationship, the other side of the political spectrum, can not just make a sale, they can really bridge the gaps in understanding our fellow human beings. And that is what we need to do a better job of today. So I like to apply this logic logic to my, like I give this logic, I use this logic often. Like, so for example, I've got four sons and I give this advice to my sons as it relates to dating women, not that they listen to me, um, or dealing with their bosses at work or dealing with their customers and their clients. I tell them, you know, make the conversation about the person across the table, not about you. Or across the video chat, for example. Um, if you apply a deep and sincere curiosity, an intellectual curiosity about what is making the other person tick, you can get as close as you want to that person in whatever manner you want. So, for example, is your boss a control freak? I've had several of those. Um, then give them status reports before they ask for them. Is the worker on your team getting married soon? Then be prepared to give them some time before and after the wedding to be a little less productive at work as they focus on things that are frankly way more important to them. Are you out on a date with someone who loves theater? Well, don't keep talking about football. Listen, I'm way oversimplifying this, but if you go deep on your intellectual curiosity, 
Ask open-ended questions to really learn about the person you're dealing with, paying careful attention to how you respond to them and how they respond to you and how they respond to the world around them. If you listen more than you speak, well, you get the gist. Now, and all because of that Mustang, imagine if we applied all of this learning to all of humanity that we're dealing with. Listen, not all Trump supporters are racist or sexist or dishonest. In fact, the vast, vast majority of them are not. But they support Donald Trump for reasons important to them and who they are. Not all Joe Biden supporters are socialist or soft on crime or in favor of defunding police. In fact, the vast, vast, vast majority are not but they support Joe Biden for reasons that are important to who they are. Black Lives Matter. It's important to many people. You need to understand why and understand why it might not be important to other people. Gun rights matter to many people, and they're completely unimportant to others. Understand why. Most Muslims aren't terrorists. Most Jews aren't cheapskates. Most black people aren't criminals. Most white people aren't racists. Look, stereotypes exist for a reason. That may be true. But rather than stereotype, if we all chose to really understand why people are the way they are. Okay, put it this way. The understanding of people and who they are and... um even if they're not like ourselves, is a deeper sign of understanding and a deeper understanding of someone is respecting someone. And being respectful of someone is a bridge builder. And building bridges helps sell more Mustangs. (laughs) And it also helps bring people together. And it will help make our society and our world a better place. Given where the world is at this moment, a little more understanding and respect could go an awfully long way. So with that, here's the wrap up. Please let me know if you enjoyed this solo podcast. I know I'm predominantly hosting guests and talking about health and wellness. I enjoy talking to guests. I enjoy hearing about their stories. I enjoy having conversations with them. I learn from them. But I enjoy doing the solo ones very much too. And frankly, the health and wellness of our society in so many ways has been a lot, has been on my mind a lot. So I figured I'd give this topic a whirl. Next week, I will be back to having a fun and interesting guest. But until then, please continue to stay safe and healthy. Please take extra time to understand where the other person is coming from. You may not need to defriend them from Facebook or Instagram. You may just need to understand where they're coming from. Be respectful to them and help make the world a better place. Take care, everybody.